0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Right, Dr. James Sandrini, University of West Las Vegas. I just need to check something straight out of the gate because we were batting across a running order uh, on email yesterday. And listeners, yeah, I'm as surprised as you guys that we have a running order for this show, indeed any show in the Natcoom show pod family. And we were discussing changes, personnel changes with NFL teams that are coming so thick and fast. Ed Donatello fired by the Vikings, for example, since we, we were exchanging messages. Bill like O'Brien suddenly getting interviewed by the Patriots. So I just want to check are you still officially contracted to the Natcum show or did you get fired overnight?
0: I'm expecting news midway through the show. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be the scapegoat for your losing run or oh, an edge rush. I feel yeah. someone's going to take the hit, and I'm I am I am worried. My representatives are uh, lurking in the shadows.
1: And the fact you have representatives is a good thing. Obviously, Iron Mike Carlson represents himself, Lamar style. He's the Lamar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who would deliver the bad news to you? Would that be Propo? Or-
0: um, I think if Propo-, Propo did it, he would say that I'm. He'd say I'm sensational to buy him the time to then come up with how he was going to fire me. <laughs> do you know
1: who I think it would be? I think it would be Ben.
0: I think I think Ooh.
1: Ben wouldn't even he, He's a cold-hearted killer, isn't he? Ruthless. He'd be rude. Yeah. You, get, you get a minute tops. It wouldn't be like those scenes in Hard Knocks mm. when the players are cut, but you got a great future in this league, kid. You got a great, you were great. You didn't do anything wrong. You know, it wouldn't be any of that. It would just be t- 10 words max.
0: I think he'd fire you, stun you like take a couple of beers smash them together and pour them over his own face to celebrate <laughs> that's that's stone, the best you get
1: stone cold Ben Isaac so <laughs> we're going to start with that today big changes going on uh why don't we go well why don't we go with Byron Leftwich first of all uh hmm. Leftwich leaving Tampa Bay and that is was widely expected of course what fascinates me is how quickly Things can change in the league. The Bucks Super Bowl run, Leftwich was the darling of offensive coordinators. Yes, of course, Arians' involvement was significant as well. But Leftwich, off the back of that, became a very hot commodity. I think a lot of people were surprised that he didn't take or wasn't offered a head coaching gig. And here we are, a couple of years later, one of the most sluggish, anemic offenses in the game. Leftwich is out of a gig, and. His reputation significantly tarnished as a result, things changed quickly.
0: Yeah, this was um you mentioned Arians. I think that's important because you know that was the thread that tied Brady originally to Tampa bowl accounts. They had a stronger team last season. The O line was obviously much improved compared to what we've seen this season. Their defense right. was better. But ultimately, this someone was gonna to have to go. I mean, they've actually culled, I think, eight different coaches. So they've obviously gone for the overhaul. But this offense was left to Brady and Byron this season, and it didn't go well. Last in rushing efficiency in yards. Uh, we, I, I don't know the numbers, but if you take out their fourth quarter performances, I wonder what you're left with. They threw the ball at uh, league high, almost historic rates, without really being able to move the ball effectively. And ultimately, they, get, they didn't put any safeguards around those two. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know ultimately between those two who was really calling the shots on the field, but Byron uh, Leftwich was unable to seemingly manage this offense or make any strides. And we saw in their playoff game, this team didn't look any better offensively than it did when it was going through its woes early in the season. The other question here, obviously, is is, does Brady go alongside this? Does this Mm. affect his decision making or is this a move to actually try and get Brady back because he was dissatisfied with with Leftwich?
1: Yeah, I I think. The latter is clearly what the Bucks are trying to do, uh, whether it'll work, it's an altogether different story. But I guess it's, in their perspective, if these whole scale changes, and of course, let's wait and see who comes in, if that's enough to convince Brady to stick around, happy days. But if not, well, we need a reboot anyway, right? So I, I kind of guess the logic works, whichever way that the cards fall for for the Bucks. Brady, I feel, will play again next season. I wonder, though, whether that is going to be significantly affected by opportunity because there is this assumption that everybody wants Brady, right still. I was listening to a show the other day that was doing the classic who are the elite quarterbacks in the league and then who are the, you know, but the conclusion was that Brady has dropped out of that top tier now. I'm not sure that's altogether fair. I think the system and situation is is significant there. I think if Brady lands in San Francisco. Hypothetically, which of course there's a huge amount of buzz so i don't think it's particularly feasible if he lands in san francisco i think he's a top six quarterback in the nfl and in that in, with shanahan with those weapons in that system i think he is what do you think ultimately will be the determining factor brady's obviously going to want to go to a contender out of the contenders out there what are the realistic options because i don't think san francisco is unless purdy has some meltdown between now and the end of the season like a horrendous performance in one of the next playoff games i don't think they're gonna look to move on from lance or purdy depending on which way they 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 go for even for the great tom brady right
0: Brady is one of the few players in the league that would be an emotional decision as much as a logical one. So, you know, there's commercial considerations, the, the jerseys you could sell, obviously being involved in whatever happens with him after he retires, being associated with him. Obviously, there'll be coaches, GMs, owners that would love to have just had him on the roster for a year, have that. You'd just be involved in Brady's life, I guess, in somehow, uh, in some way. For Brady, I think the determining factor is the O-line. We saw over the course of this season, more so than any other, that when the line broke down, he was terrified of getting hit, he was getting the ball out at record-setting rates. Because and and that was one of the limitations in this offense. You know, we we saw them despite throwing the ball fifty times a game, having this very low yards per play, because mm. everything was underneath to Fournette to Godwin, to this raft of tight ends. They only really got Evans involved in that one game against the Panthers late in the season downfield. So for me, it doesn't mean they have to have the O-line in place now. We saw when they went, when he went to Tampa that they then just basically went O-line heavy in the draft and found a couple of free agents. So there's hope but, for the Raiders then,
1: that's what we're saying. Well, I, I, I think it's a possibility, you know, Vegas, because... Yeah, Vegas makes they, a lot of sense in so many ways. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, he's, a, he's a, a circus attraction at this point, Brady. I'm not being unkind. I'm just like, you know, if, you're, if you are the Raiders, it makes a lot of sense for the market that you're in, you know, like highly touristic, um, you know, and what could they do in the draft? And what could they do in the free agency? They could bring in those pieces
1: to to keep him protected. Mm. Okay. Uh, moving on. I mentioned Bill O'Brien at the top, of course, playing his trade these days. In college ball with Alabama, he's one of Nick Saban's crew. It is a closed-knit, large but close knit circle, of course, that Belichick-Saban gang, and he has always been part of that or for a long time been part of that. And he's now interviewing with the Patriots for the OC job. Now, this has been discussed for a long time. Mike, on this very show, has said that it's a smart play. I think it is an easy, easy hit to look at Bill O'Brien and what happened latterly with Houston, and his time in the NFL latterly was a bit of a mess to write him off when he is a hugely accomplished coach, a hugely impressive coordinator. I guess the issue for Patriots fans and the concern is twofold. The curious Patricia judge tandem and the decision to go there was never going to work. But also, the fact that it was Belichick going back to his old school lieutenants and that he didn't see that that was an issue. And that for a guy who has never been driven by, to borrow your word, sentimentality at any stage of his career, at the same time is keeping it close when actually, and, and again, this is something Carlson talked about on the show, you get a McDaniel kind of character, a Joe Brady character as a young gun offensive coordinator, maybe exactly. The medicine that the patriots need so critics will look at this and patriots fans concerned with this interview opportunity for o'brien will think oh, it's just a bit too retro leaning it's a bit too old school it's outmoded and outdated what do you think is that when you think about andy Reid in particular this idea that if you are a veteran coordinator in the modern nfl you're somehow less dynamic a mind than mcveigh and co is that the trap that some people are falling into here o'brien's not a fashionable hipster pick but he might just be exactly what the patriots need right now
0: two things with o'brien one is you have to separate o'brien the coach from o'brien the gm sure everything that went wrong in houston towards the end was predicated on bad trades bad personnel decisions let's assume that o'brien isn't going to get a gm job anytime soon, but he's always proven to be a very effective coordinator in the league. That's why he got the Houston job and that Houston offense was very effective for Mm. particularly those first few seasons, first three seasons that he was there. They were a playoff team. He was part of Deshaun Watson's development. Uh, Not everyone thought Deshaun coming into the league was going to be a top five, top 10 quarterback. So he's, and obviously he's gone to Alabama and Alabama are, uh, you know, they didn't have the best season this year, but they are a persistent, you know, top five college ball team. So I don't think it would be a... uh, I don't think it would be a huge issue. I think it would be a big upgrade, in fact, to what they did this season with O'Brien. There's an element with Bill. Obviously, Bill's an older head coach. Uh, you know, he has his methods. That's been one of the criticisms of him this season. I think it's relatively unrealistic that they start putting all the faith into a you know 34-year-old graduate uh, in the way that other teams might, just by the nature of how he wants to run that squad. They have mm-hmm. interviewed... Some younger in-house candidates, ball accounts. Uh, I think they've also looked outside to some less likely uh, offensive coordinators across the league, guys like Sean Jefferson from, um, who's on the Arizona staff. You know, came up yesterday. So they're they're casting the net wide. I think I don't think. Bi- I think Bill can be nepotistic, right? Like we've seen that. Okay, so that wouldn't be a surprise. His son, for example, is on is on the team, and uh, you know Patricia and Judge have obviously been lieutenants of his historically. But I think if they go and get. O'Brien is because they think O'Brien the best guy for the, for the job, particularly yeah. because Bill, you know, is going to start want
1: to start winning some hardware against him. Yeah, I don't mind the fact that Belichick is like that. I mean, his son, not, notwithstanding, although I, I think we have to analyze Belichick Jr.'s performance over a period of time, and I would love to chat to a hardcore Patriots beat writer, a hardcore Patriots follower and assess what they think about his input in, into it or before we just dismiss it as his, his son that's why he got the gig i don't mind the fact his son notwithstanding that he goes to his old school crew the guys that he knows and trusts fine i'm I, you know in so many different areas of business that works if you look at the creative industry you look at hollywood this is absolutely the case, right? A lot of the same directors will want to work with the same same cinema, same director of photography, the same editors, the same uh, uh, composers in terms of the score and often the same actors, right? So I don't have an issue with Belichick keeping it close-knit in that respect. It's just whether this is an NFL that requires different perspectives. And that I don't think it necessarily does in the sense that I don't think I think there's an ageism creeping into offensive perception right now that Bill O'Brien is suffering from, no doubt about that, because he's not a young hipster pick. Let's talk about, because we've got a lot of changes to rattle through, Ed Donatel going from Minnesota. Again, much like Leftwich in Tampa Bay, not exactly hold the front page news. Horrendous defense for Minnesota this season, averaging almost 400 yards a game, 25 points a game. That ranked them 30th and 31st in the league. And we knew it would be their undoing in the end for all the the much maligned cousins. Shout out to Mike McCartney, the greatest agent in sports entertainment. For all his critics, the defense was what was the imbalance within this side. It's quite, it's quite a decent gig though, isn't it? The Vikings might've been a vanilla 13 and four, but a couple of pieces in that defense, if they can keep the majority of the offense together, they've got a great head coach. It's a decent gig.
0: Yeah, quick note on Donatel. I think he failed because he was intransigent. You know, he came in with this Fangio disciple, 3-4. We're going to get pressure from our, you know, uh, defensive front and then we're not going to rush anyone else. I think they were the leading, one of the leading teams in the league in terms of playing nickel coverage throughout the year. This soft Mm. shell that the Giants just carved up last week. Um, It is a good gig, but partly because I think what they're going to want to do in free agency in the draft, the expectation there is that some of those uh, older offensive players might be out the door like cook might get cut feeling might not be back you Mm. take some of that salary and you invest in this defense and i think particularly because they have cousins is likely to be back i think you know cousins jefferson matheson might come in the run back role hockinson they traded for the o-line actually went healthy you know we saw big step forward from bradbury left tackle darasaw looks like a future star you know, I think this is a this is an off season where they look at that defense in particular. So if you're a potential coordinator, you're going to get back to come in here with some targets that you will want to add to that group.
1: Okay, uh, let's route through some other news quickly. Ben Johnson's staying in Detroit, happy days because he of course was a widely tipped head coaching prospect. That's brilliant news for for the Lions, and I might already get in on. Some early books on Lions as a playoff side next season. I love that retention. I think that's great news for them. Interesting comments coming out of Baltimore. Uh, John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson is our quarterback. He said during a presser yesterday, um, which I thought was, um, which I thought was quite significant. I think they'll get the deal done. I think that Harbaugh would not have gone there if he didn't feel it was likely that they get the deal done. I guess the flip side of that is Harbaugh is using his. So Box using his leverage to say to the owners, get the bloody deal done.
0: Yeah, and Greg Roman obviously resigned yesterday. Now, Roman is so closely aligned with Lamar Jackson's breakout. You know, they had the best offense in the league in 2019. Things haven't been as great since then. But the offense is built around Lamar. So does Roman going change? Is that a sign that perhaps things aren't going as well from a negotiation standpoint? I would agree with you. I think Lamar comes back. But there's more, there's certainly a lot more questions than there were a couple of months ago about mm. Lamar.
1: You know, the quote from Eric DaCosta, who's the GM in Baltimore, was quite funny. So first he says, our relationship with Lamar is fantastic. That worries the shit out of me that he started like that. <laughs> but this is great. Do you hear know what he said? He's, they're talking about the deal and the fact they can't, they obviously can't, haven't yet got a deal done. I told Lamar this thing has been a burden for both of us, but when it's over... We're gonna feel like a million bucks. <laughs> why did he go yeah, to? Why did he go to money? Why did he use money?
0: Yeah, we're so, gonna um, we're gonna try and pay him a million bucks and yeah. see if he takes it. Oh, shit. I don't
1: mean a million bucks. I mean ten million bucks. I think, Lamar, if, I bet you're, 10 million.
0: if you're Lamar, what you want to hear is we're gonna go out in free agency in the draft and find you another weapon or two because we realize that's been missing. The the in defense of Roman, I don't think at any point this year they had Bateman, Dobbins, Staley. You know, though, if you take their leading offensive players aside from Lamar, you know, star left tackle. Highly drafted running back and yeah. first round receiver. They didn't have those together simultaneously, mm. but no depth. You know, they only had gadget pieces like Duvernay or mm. guys they bought off the street in in season, and that that's not good enough, frankly.
1: You know what? Good name for a band, gadget pieces.
0: Gadget pieces. I <laughs> like
1: it. Go. Yeah. You know, what kind of band would we have? If we put the NC show band together. Who would who would be what? Well, I guess we're going. What are we? What are we going to? Are we like alt rock? are we like you know i think so i think so disco
0: With... i don't
1: know i'd like to hope <laughs> i'd like to hope that i and Mike could break into some some hip-hop at some stage mm. during maybe it's kind of like a rage against the machine meets tony bennett
0: i like it can we have a white rapper i feel like <laughs> yeah, i feel ben. like we need it i think ben. Oh, that's ben. ben that's ben, ben. yeah, of yeah, yeah. It is. ollie's on bass he's got the hair for it ollie's bass Ollie doesn't look like he uh, manicures too much. And I think that's important in a backing performer. <laughs>
1: this is true. You know,
0: like he's confident who he is, like he doesn't need to try.
1: I think Carlson's lead guitar, but once... Carlson on... Carson
0: wouldn't Carson wouldn't let you say anything else. Like he would just take the guitar <laughs> off someone yeah, else and play exactly.
1: it. Exactly, and also want to get on lead vocals quite a lot as well. <laughs> yes. And insist that on at least yeah. three tracks per album, he's singing lead vocals.
0: I think the key the key is just to make sure that his mic is turned down, just for the sake of <laughs> being able to play a few more PG gigs.
1: We'll just whisper to the sound guy, yeah, mics, <laughs> yeah, mics, what just bring it bring it down a bit. Uh drums, I think then for you, guru. I like that. I'll take I, it. I'll
0: take I'll take the rhythm section. And I
1: like around the the drum kit, of course, there'll be lots of little buddhas, incense. And you'd have a lot of chimes.
0: I, I'm gonna go with the uh, aesthetic of I mean people can't see necessarily see, I was on camera right now, but obviously. I have a very long but singular beard. I very wear, rarely wear shirts <laughs> and I'm tattered, basically head to toe. And that to me is, is representative of the kind of rhythm that I like to play.
1: I hope or we get you a drum kit that turns upside down like Lars Ulrich from Metallica.
0: Do, do we have the budget for that? Because if so, we're doing it. <laughs>
1: I don't care about any of that. <laughs> I don't care, we'll worry about that tomorrow. Enough
0: natisms and we can get it. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Hey, that's all going to charity. Not your revolving drum kit, guru. Um, other bit of news, of course, for NFL UK fans and indeed uh fans in Germany. I know that looking at the looking at the podcast data, which I, I love to do when I see people listening to us in Liechtenstein, for example. Shout out Liechtenstein crew we uh i think it's something like 150 countries have downloaded our show now and we've got a good good listener base in germany so unsurprisingly it's the uk Ireland, and america and germany are are, of our four biggest territories in terms of listeners so uh, appreciate you nc show german crew and you are getting i think you got the better end of the deal right i mean you have to be right the patriots and the chiefs i mean it's great we're getting the bills who doesn't love a bit of Mike Rabel and the Titans? And of course, ah, Jacksonville Jaguars back as well. And that's certainly looking up, kiddo, as far as they're concerned. So, yeah, very happy. with. And we say this every time, James, that those that moan about, oh, my God, why haven't we got so-and-so? We end up often having great matchups and great games, even if we don't necessarily have the best of the best of the best. Of course, we'd love a Bills-Chiefs game. We'd love a major marquee game and with the bills coming we might well still get that right but st- eh, still feel germany might have got their little the little edge there what's your take
0: it's a league of parity you don't know what are going to be the big games years ahead frankly uh, yeah. obviously you'd expect the chiefs and the bills to be on form next year. So, yes, the Chiefs and the Pats go to Germany. Chiefs are a big get. You know, I think seeing... any, You know, there are transcendent players during their lifetime. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the Messies of the world. And Mahomes is one of those, I think. So, yeah. that's, a, that's a big get, as you said. And then Bills and Titans go to Spurs and Jags at Wembley for their annual game. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, and I think what we're starting to see here is the, the kindling of a movement towards testing, trialling a European team. You know, five games in Europe, that's more than half of a uh European-based league home season. You know, if you mm-hmm. can sell out those games, you've obviously proven the use case. I I I think they proved the use case a few years ago, frankly, in terms of the yeah. demand. It's now a question of the logistics. You know, how can you actually program in a European team when it comes to, you know, flying back and forth and avoiding any lack of competitive advantage as a result, mm-hmm. you know, of, of having to do that travel. Plus obviously all of the other considerations when it comes to things like security to television times, to drafting, you know, uh, players obviously having to live over Europe. There's a lot to consider, but you
1: know, we've proven we can sell out. Yeah. And I think uh, all of those latter points are great ones. Tax as well. The money side of it. That's something you hear a lot about the, the challenge is my gut feel. And this isn't on any kind of inside skinny other than, yeah, sure. the hypothetical conversations over the years with those in the league. But my gut feel now is they're going to have, the expansion will be two teams, possibly more actually with some stateside, but two teams in Europe. I think that's what they'll look at. they'll look at London and, and Germany. I reckon they'll go too.
0: It makes sense to have a cluster just in terms of operations, how you manage right, it. Right. And obviously then you also get a rivalry
1: game, the European rivalry game, yeah. which would be a, a, a big plus. Love that. All right, let's get down to business in terms of the playoffs. And um, we'll start with injuries and most notably, um, and particularly worryingly for Propo, as he is a Bengals diehard, and for me, because the Bengals plus five and a half, my Drew Lock of the week over on SPK Edge Rush. And of course, I made that pick knowing that the O line was banged up. And I make the argument as to why. I don't think that's ultimately going to matter in terms of then covering in that game, whether they win outrights, an altogether different proposition. But it is a concern. My argument, Guru, on that show was sure the O-line's banged up, but I'm not sure Buffalo are necessarily best placed to exploit that. Burrow's release is quicker than it's ever been. It's the second fastest in the NFL right now. So it's a problem, but it's not as big a problem as it might have been. Plus last year, Burrow was sacked on average 27 times a game and it still made it to the Super Bowl. So what's your take? Firstly, where are we on the extent of the injuries? How bad is it going to be? And then how big a Impact are those injuries going to have on the trajectory of the game?
0: So Lyle Collins, IR, not coming back this postseason. He's the starting right tackle. Jonah Williams, left tackle, not practicing, unlikely to play, dislocated kneecap. You know, that's going to limit him at best in the course of these playoffs. Alex Kappa, guard, didn't practice last we saw. So none of, you know, if you take Williams and Kappa as potential Plays, neither of those are going to go. There's a big downgrade from them to the backups. Mm-hmm. I think we saw last week what this offense looks like without a healthy O line, which is you know, Jamal Chase seven yards from the line of scrimmage. You know, you try and just force the ball into him. Um, it limits what T Higgins can do because Higgins usually takes a little bit more time to get open. Uh, mm-hmm. he's a bit more of a down, not not that Jamal obviously isn't a downfield threat, but Jamal's the kind of player who can take it from short route deep versus Higgins. You need to be playing in that intermediate area. Uh, or, or deep down the field with him. Tyler Boyd obviously becomes more of a play because if you don't have time to throw, then you're going to go to your, to your slot guy. Uh, a bit of Joe Mixon out of the backfield. You know, P Ryan has a pill this week if you think the Bengals score. But I, I'm worried because I think while the Bills are not a top-tier pressure group, particularly without Von Miller, it, it's just going to be a lot of dink and dunk, I think, for the Bengals. And I'm not sure that's going to be enough to, to win the game.
1: Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, I guess the the drop-off is, is obviously the key. And, and I think that's where, I mean, Ollie's certainly quite vocal on the fact And now it's three starters, that's maybe tipping over the edge, but certainly earlier in the season, even when Leo Collins went out, he was, well, okay, the the backups, it's not a radical fall off, although the sample size has, has been limited. I, I see that. So you on, you quite big on the bills as a result then in that game.
0: Uh Yeah. look The bills are turnover prone. We've seen that throughout the course of the season. Yeah, I know you had that conversation with Mike earlier in the week. Um, Right, so there's a part of me that thinks that this game could be quite, quite volatile, you know, in Mm -hmm. terms of the the expected result. There's also the question of weather. Looks like it's going to be a cold, b potentially snowy, and c if not rainy and windy. So you know, those are those are significant considerations. Bearing in mind the Bengals seem to be a better running team than the Bills, but obviously the Bills have Josh Allen, so maybe you take that out the window. I, I think, I think it's going to be a relatively low scoring affair, and I think the Bills you know, Nick it at home, but it's, it's a, it's, it's obviously a fantastic playoff matchup. And because we didn't see
1: this late in the season, we've got less to go
0: on than we might've done otherwise.
1: Okay. The turnover issues that Allen and the bills have had. Do you think the Bengals can exploit that? Cause it was interesting. I felt the narrative in the dolphins game, which was highly critical of Allen, and highly critical of the Bills' offense, not really giving the credit to the Dolphins' D for a lot of the hay that they made. Do you feel that this is the problem, that it is obviously errors at times from Allen, but that it's we're masking the, or rather falling into the trap of, the reason these turnovers are happening is because Allen is performing below par versus it's actually the defenses that he's facing that are really really stepping up
0: boyer out in miami as well the defensive coordinator there they've got Mm. real individual talent uh miami and we saw that i think in the game last week alan obviously there's something in the scheme where they say it's really important that we go deep regularly because it opens up everything underneath and we want the big play uh, and they kept trying to force it and they failed to find it on almost every occasion. And we've seen that also throughout the season. They, they're they happy to take the risk. Now, I, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of taking those downfield threats because worst case, most of the time when there's an INT, it's the same as if there was a punt in terms mm. of the field position. Right. So I think it, I think a lot of times it's worth going for. They've got pieces where they're going to want to try and get it downfield with Diggs and Smokey Brown obviously coming in. But I think the real issue for the Bills is they don't have any off- consistent offensive producers when you really break it down apart from... Diggs and Allen and we we vaunt this offense but I'm not sure it's as good as we think I'm not sure it has the pieces right now particularly Mm. you know McKenzie's out Davis has has not had a a, a great season after you know blowing up in the playoffs last year the run game has been in and out maybe they don't know quite how to use those pieces yeah Um, a lot of it falls on Allen for a bit of hero ball yeah and uh, and Diggs and if Diggs is covered as we expect the, the Bengals are hard to pass on you know, yeah. that's an important state statement to make. There might be snow and there's going to be reasonable wins. So mm-hmm. it's not a guaranteed win here for the Bills. And I do think the Bengals can make it hard for them. I'm just not sure that, I'm not sure when it, you know, it, it, to me it's a fourth quarter game and within those last five minutes, the, the Bills win it and the Bengals don't.
1: Well, just on that point about the Bengals hard to pass on, they came in the top 12, they were the 11th in uh, success rate and six in EPA per opponent drop back against throws of 15 plus in the air. So I like that matchup that I just uh, too many matchups I like with the Bengals certainly to keep it within that within that spread. So that's why it's my Drew Lock of the Week. Uh but interesting update on the lines. Do you see any upsets in the in the divisional rounds? Because Crystal Tom over on Edge Rush, here's Taylor Hanikiaka, all the favorites. And who's to argue against Crystal Tom, but Guru, you might have uh, some perspective there. Or maybe frame it another way, if there is going to be an upset, who's it most likely to be?
0: The one that jumps off the page is the Cowboys to me because, you know, and look, I know Purdy's been uh, incredibly good and there isn't, I don't think there is this kind of, look. there's probably a little bit of a different feeling in the playoffs, uh, but he seemed to overcome that last week. But the Cowboys can rush the passer. The Cowboys can run the football. If the Cowboys can get into a lead, they can make this very difficult for the Niners. I don't think the Niners for all of their weapons are a juggernaut. Mm-hmm. offensively, uh, particularly with Purdy on the centre. And the other one that does interest me, and it's a long shot, but I, I've, I'll put some money on it, is the Jags to beat the Chiefs.
1: Wow. Well, you've got to expand on that.
0: Well, only because the week off going in, the bye, has positive and negative effects. Mm-hmm. And we see it every year where often teams can be a bit slow to to get going. You mentioned earlier in the week, uh, you know, the the run that Peterson's under as a as an underdog. And I actually think you know, if you take Kelsey out of this offense, you know, again, I know there's an awful lot of different weapons there, but who scares you, you know, out of McKinnon, Tony, Smith-Schuster, etc. I, I think t- if you can control Kelsey, you yeah. got a shot.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point. I, although I do quite like, I quite like the run game. And I do like, I do like Tony to go off in this game. He had quite a big game against Jacksonville earlier on the season. I don't know, obviously he's an injury flaw, but I quite like, I, it feels like it could be a Tony breakout game.
0: Yeah, I, look, I, it's for all the reasons you mentioned on Red Edge Rush. You know, it has some intrigue, right? The on their day, the Jags can rush the rush the passer. Mm. Every quarterback under duress makes bad decisions, even Patrick Mahomes. They've mm. had this week off. Does that help them or hinder them? Is this a team that's uh, you know there's teams that are playoff that are better in the playoffs than they are in the regular season, right? Mm. Because of the nature of how they're built, and you know that might be a Jags, and it might not be a Chiefs. I still think that you put money on the jags because the odds are there right if this was 50-50 you go chiefs and we're going to look at our playoff our team for our show team for this week and we've got mm. some chiefs in there so it's not that i think this is a walkover by any means but i just think the odds are are too tantalizing not to back the jags
1: all right uh let's speaking of our show team get into that before we do looking back at last week propo didn't bloody win again did he no no thankfully no Thank God. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> was the show, team, the show team did well, yeah, as, as he is from many establishments globally. The show team did well, though. Fifth in the paid. Who are in the money there? Yeah, it did well. We had Danny Vick uh,
0: as our quarterback, Evan Engram, Diggs, CMC, <laughs> Danny uh, Vick. Vic. It didn't quite come together. Unfortunately, we had uh, a couple of too many Tampa players. Uh, we should have gone with Cowboys, clearly, oh, in, that, yeah. in that matchup. But yeah, fifth place. Um, winners, so yacht Scott, like that nice. in the paid uh had gabe davis who who went off debo was a great pick i think he was a you know we we probably should have had him in the team last season mm. and dk metcalf uh, in what was a pretty spirited affair from between the seahawks and the 49ers and then dan 990 wins the free tj Hawkinson again good pick we talked about him last week julio who was always going to be a touchdown or bust but he got the touchdown and isaiah hodgins who uh, we also had so well done to yacht scott and dan 990
1: Shout out to both of you. You can get involved uh, this week if you enter our contests in the Nat Show League over on DraftKings. One's free to enter, one you can pay to enter. It's your call. And there are other contests, of course, all across DraftKings. Anything that we make either in our show leagues or in the wider DraftKings world, we will be donating to charity at the end of the season. The pot is already into four figures, although significant amount of that is natisms as opposed to us actually making any money in fancy. although we've, we've all contributed a little bit i've got to make sure that proper coughs up his his ill-gotten gains from last week as well because he's been quite stum about that i have got to make sure that finds its way to the charity pot i might need your help with that guru
0: yeah he just told me he was in the bahamas uh, and he'll be back in a few weeks so that's- can't imagine that's got anything to do with it
1: concerning concerning all right let's try and make some more money for a good cause this week uh take us through your show team
0: so we start with Trevor Lawrence uh, on the back of six straight wins for the Jags. Obviously had four touchdowns last week to go with his four interceptions. This has the highest over-under again. I know you touched on that on edge rush. Uh, that over unders staying where it is or indeed going up seemingly every day. So we're expecting points. Um, he tied his most pass attempts during the course of this season versus the Chargers last week. You know, they obviously turned the ball over to him down big and he came up with the goods. Kansas City, by the nature of them scoring so many points, you know, they're 30th against QB. So even if the Chiefs win and perhaps win handily, Lawrence at 6,000 is, I think, good value on the week.
1: Love that. Uh, Love that. And let's just, because you mentioned you've gone to that game quite a lot. So let's pull out those. This is going chronological order with your team. Although up next is McKinnon, but you've also picked from this game Kelsey, And my favorite player uh, of the season, or at least one of them, Christian Kirk as your flex. So talk us through those three picks.
0: Yeah, let's go with Kirk first as Mm. part of the stack with with Lauren. So 14 targets last week when they were playing from behind throughout the course of the season. He's been their number one. This is what you paid for. His line on the season, 125 catches, 1,000 yards, 1,009, seven TDs. Kansas City's allowing the second most points, sorry, second most touchdowns to wide receivers. That's where you get to them. I think they'll move Kirk around. You know, KC has a couple of good quarterbacks, but I don't think so good that they're going to be able to limit uh, everything that the... Uh, everything that the Jags are going to try and do. And look, this point in the season, teams go with their number one guys wherever mm-hmm. they can. Mm-hmm. A- and that's Kirk in Jacksonville. The two Chiefs, you could Tony, I think is a good pick. You mentioned, I think you really could go across this roster and find someone who's going to have a breakout game. But the two that I like are McKinnon, uh, 6,000 at running back. He's not really a running back in any traditional sense of the term he hardly carries the football but he's their red zone and third down running back and that means that around the goal line you know he's become a real receiving weapon eight touchdowns in his last six games Mm -hmm. um jacksonville allowing the second most catches to running backs that's how you get to them so there's no guarantee of volume with mckinnon therefore he's a bit boom bust but Mm -hmm. we've seen it throughout the course of actually this season and last season going into the playoffs that he was a key part of that offense um and then travis kelsey what do we need to say i mean he's he's only had less than seven targets once this season he's the highest floor tight end by a mile he hasn't scored a touchdown however in his last six and i think that might change this week jacksonville 26th against tight ends and we saw Everett carve him up last week
1: love that love all of those and sticking with the theme of going with your go-to guy that's why you got cd lamb in there for the cowboys against san francisco ayak as well in that game Makes a lot of yeah. sense. Seven and a half. Uh, sorry, my bad. My eyesight's failing me. Seven three for C D and Ayuk's is steel at 5k. What's going on there with the with the price?
0: Ayuk looks cheap. Yeah. It's difficult to know who again who's gonna have the big game because Purdy is rarely gonna sustain three, four weapons every week. Uh Debo, Kittle, CMC, Ayuk. This feels like an Ayuk game because we get Trevon Diggs. Diggs is susceptible, as we know, to the double move. Uh, Dallas are 30th against wide receivers. We saw Debo have the big game last week. Perhaps that means Ayuk is a little bit less covered. CD at 7-3. He was quite against Tampa. You know, I think he had one catch in that first half, but 156 targets during the course of the regular season. He averaged 12 targets in losses. So even if you thought that the Niners were going to run away with this one, you know that doesn't mean that Lamb can't have a big game. Um, he's, in, he's in there against Charvarius Ward, who's had a, a really good season, um, but he can get there on volume. And he's still very much the number one. San Francisco 28th against wide receivers because it's very hard to run on them. So a lot of things point to CD, even if they have a down game, being mm. uh, a good performer this week.
1: Like that. Who else have you got to make up the Sandrini dream team?
0: So another boom bust, Miles Sanders in the backfield. He had 144 yards on the ground the last time that he played the Giants, which was you know earlier on in the season, uh, not that Week 18 game, which was a uh, you know nothing game. Mm. Um, they're a touchdown favorites. The game script would suggest that they're going to run the ball a lot. They might not run it with Jalen Hill, however. Uh, sorry, Jalen Hurts that much, however, because you know obviously coming back from injury, we don't know how 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 close to 100% he is. New York are 23rd against the run. They've been excellent against the pass. They get pressure, but they're last, I think, in DVOA against uh, against the run. Um, and then Richie James, also in that game from the Giants. He's cheap, 3,900. Last week it was Hodgins. You could have said Slayton. James from the slot I like because the two outside cornerbacks for the Eagles have been excellent throughout the course of this season so richie james 24 targets in his last three when he played philadelphia in week 14 he had caught seven of nine for 61 in a score uh i think that's how you attack philly and look you know we expect them to be playing catch up therefore throwing the ball with uh danny danny g3
1: <laughs> danny g3 that is great <laughs> intel though I, lo- I really like that richie james because when i saw him in your team i thought i was going to ask you well is it a gamble when you look at this giant setup it's a pick and therefore you're basically flipping a coin as to who's going to get the most looks but you have qualified why richie james makes a lot more sense perhaps than the other two also richie james may be the nfl player in terms of current athletes who sounds like he should have been in a mid-90s to early noughties boy band
0: he does yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take that. We should actually make that team for next week. I think Christian Kirk could also be in that group, <laughs> actually, for uh,
1: Definitely would be in that team. I love that. Miles,
0: maybe Miles Sanders. We'll have to come back to this. but Please. Um, the yeah. Other thing, so Yeah, on, on James, you've got Darius Slayer on one side, you've got James Bradbury on the other. Both of those players should be going to the Pro Bowl. It's just going to be really hard. And they've had a week's rest. And look, I know I said earlier about the narrative of, you know, does that week do someone... Any good? I think these gents tends to be offences that struggle a little bit more coming out of a week off than it does defences who, who tend to benefit from the rest.
1: Love that, Guru. That is our show team. It is going into our listener leagues. You can get involved with that as well. Go up against me. I'll be putting a team in Propo if he makes it back from the... Where was he? Did you say Bermuda? Barbados? The Bahamas?
0: One of those. We'll Barbados. ever let him in next. One. Oh, actually, we, we need yeah. to add one more to our show team, which is just... Oh, we mentioned them briefly defense. earlier. Be-
1: defense. Bengals. Yeah, Bengals
0: DST. So they're inexpensive at 2-4. Don't mm. see a lot of points in this game. We know they're hard to pass on. We know that the Bills give up turnovers. Look, they could be run over in this game, but I think at 2,400, I'm taking the Nat Coombs approach of, uh, of just... Throwing the last bit of cash out Running rather than out to focus on
1: it. That's um, how we do. So it. That,
0: that's what that's what finishes up, uh, rounds out our team.
1: That's how we do it. Brilliant stuff. Uh, of course, as we've mentioned already a few times on the show, we've been good with our plugs this week. Guru Edge Rush in the vault. We're also going to drop SBK Edge Rush extra with me and Crystal Tom. He'll be uh, adding a few more pieces of insight in terms of the book this weekend. He is on an absolute roll. Uh, I mean, a bona fide a sharp propo. You know, masquerades. Uh as <laughs> a shop as a pro gambler, but the uh crystal tom edge is apparent. So if you are gonna have a, a wager this weekend on the games, then it you would be uh well placed to listen to SPK Rush Extra, which we're dropping on our feed as well. Once again this week, I'm Mike in the Bolt, and of course, and Propo uh going through things over on Edge Rush. Guru, fantastic work. I'm saluting you. You are now stood down, go and like the incense go and get the buddhas out go and think carefully and methodically about further choices for this weekend
0: appreciate it thanks now
1: <laughs> and by the way you're not fired just to be just to be clear you're fired. You're <laughs> well good. only ben can deliver that news true fair so just if he rings you today ignore it just ghosted just yeah. ghosted ghost
0: all right man. that's it